0: From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, the state of Nevada. The primary election is over. Democrats threw almost all votes to President Joe Biden. No one voted for Donald Trump because he didn't participate. And none of these candidates beat Republican candidate Nikki Haley. And it means that, at least in the eyes of Nevadans, the general election in November should be between Biden and Trump. At the same time, very few registered voters actually went to the polls, and from conversations with some voters near election sites, there seemed to be little enthusiasm for the any of the candidates, but we'll get into that. And we're interested in your thoughts. Biden, Trump, Haley, who do you like for the presidency and why? To kick us off, Paul Bolger is our politics reporter in northern Nevada. Paul, welcome. Hi, Joe. Hey. So Biden's win was expected, but South Carolina governor and former U.N. ambassador Nikki Haley the only Republican with wide name recognition in the primary, came in second to none of these candidates. You know, Haley did put no effort into getting votes here. Her campaign is focused on Southern Carolina. So was this really much of a loss for her?
1: I actually think it was kind of a loss for her, at least in terms of does she have support outside of what she can get through her campaign, right? People have been watching what's been going on across the country. They've been seeing what happened, saw what happened in Iowa and New Hampshire, and they at least have some sort of idea of where she is, who she is, what she stands for. That said, I think it also shows that you have to come here and earn voters in Nevada. Unlike big states, maybe like California, Texas, Florida, Nevada is still a retail politics sort of place it really does matter to the people here if you come if you participate you show up try to earn their vote and we at least we saw president biden here come here a couple times we saw uh, former president trump come here a few times in the last few months so at least we saw efforts there haley though i mean she got trounced there is no other word for it she got beat two to one by none of these candidates that goes to show you the concerted effort uh, the state Republicans also went to to make sure that their caucus was the primary way that Republicans could vote for Donald Trump. So I think this was a bit of an embarrassment for her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, President Biden, meanwhile, won his primary with nearly ninety percent of the vote. Still, there are concerns among some politicals that he might face a bit of an enthusiasm problem this year. What, what are there any signs of that?
1: Well, I think you just look at the turnout numbers, right? So roughly, let's say about 100,000 people have showed, showed up to vote or, or cast a ballot for uh, in the Democratic primary, whether that's early voting, in person, um, by mail. And of course, those mail-in ballots that were at least postmarked by yesterday are can still be accepted for the next few days. So we don't have the final tallies yet, but let's have a nice round number of about 100,000 votes that's roughly the same participation level as was in the 2020 caucus, the Democratic caucus. Now, when lawmakers in 2021 sold us on the presidential preference primary, moving to the primaries, they said this was really going to, you know, increase voter engagement. They were really excited because this would make sure that more voters were heard in the presidential nomination process. What it shows is that most Democratic voters, at least there, didn't necessarily care to show up. I mean, that's also because it was a gimme primary, right? Marianne Williamson, his closest competitor, Biden's closest competitor, she got less than none of these candidates. The same thing that beat Nikki Haley. So uh, it was going to be a Biden win from the beginning. It was really just kind of see how well maybe a third candidate or an alternative candidate would do. And it shows that biden did well with democrats but they may not be exactly excited about it
0: and just for some perspective on how few people showed up the secretary of state's website says there are about 1.9 million active registered voters in the state about 170 thousand votes were cast that's a little more than eight percent turnout now you talked to voters near election sites in northern nevada yesterday what did you hear from them What, what were they thinking about as they cast their ballots
1: You know, it really depended on who you talked to. One issue that came up time and again, and I I think it is because of the timing, was immigration. You know, talking to Republicans who were there, you know, I did speak to a few of them who were there to voice at least some support for Nikki Haley. Others casting that, you know, none of these candidates option. Um... You know they were really gung-ho on immigration they think that's the number one concern this election season they they think that uh president biden's quote-unquote open borders policy uh is wrong for the country it's harming the country it's harming the economy uh his handling of the economy is wrong essentially they want biden out and that former president donald trump or really any any republican would do a better job um Talking to Democrats, on the other hand, it's it's really kind of what we've heard time and again over the last um, eight years, really, since Donald Trump has been on the ballot. A lot of Democrats are more concerned about Donald Trump's influence on the country, his rhetoric towards uh, his fellow Americans and people not closely in his camp, closely aligned with him. And they worry about, you know, threats to democracy. We heard that time and again. You know, there was also folks who were concerned about the economy. Everybody mentioned it, at least in passing, when I tried to press them a little bit more on it, you know, it was kind of, well, things are expensive. Well, you know, the, the president can only do so much to affect the economy, but. It is clear that there are more expectations um, than than people want more. They want to see the president doing more, no matter who it is, but where it is, it's it's they they just want to be doing better.
0: You are also preparing to cover the Republican caucuses tomorrow night, and in that contest, former President Donald Trump will. Be there, And he's expected to win handily. He's already uh, announced he's going to be coming to Nevada to celebrate his win. His only opponent is Texas businessman and pastor Ryan Binkley. I know we've talked about it on this program, but what are you expecting?
1: Well, I mean, it's going to be a Trump win, right? I mean, the president, the former president wouldn't be coming here if he didn't think he was going to get a big old victory. Um, and, And Texas pastor Ryan Binkley... Listen, I don't think anybody really knows who he is. He has tried to to make some inroads here in the state in the last couple of weeks, but um, I don't think it's it's a little too li- too little too late for him. Um, and I think that what we're really going to be looking at is the turnout numbers, similar to what we saw in the primary. Is this going to be low turnout? If we see high turnout in the Republican caucus, that really does mean something. That means there's a lot of enthusiasm for president trump at least with republican voters if we see this again as maybe less than 10 percent i think it's just very similar to what you saw in the democratic primary that hardcore democratic voters or excuse me hardcore republican voters are going to go out and support their nominee and they think that is donald trump
0: and as you mentioned you and other reporters here has talked to several people throughout the state during the election yesterday and here's what a, a few of them had to say
2: I did go for Biden last time, but I think he's getting too old. That stupid other Trump, I hate him. So there, there's my answer.
3: I think there's plenty of enthusiasm and there's, you know, the hardest things going on in our society right now are because of lingering support of the past president, which is, you know, today, for example, the, uh, the House, and Senate not being able to get something for immigration through and support of Ukraine through, all because they're too worried about how it will affect the impression of how Biden's doing. It's obvious, you know, they're not thinking about what's best for the future.
2: Um, Voted for Biden, I like what he's doing um with the student loan forgiveness debt or of the debt so that's a big one for me just considering how much i owe in student loans and then really wasn't just too familiar uh with the other candidates as far as the democrats go Um, we haven't seen too much from them i don't feel like they've really been pushing anyone else outside of biden and then just from my research i wasn't you know too moved so
4: President Biden upholds uh, democracy, security uh, through NATO and Europe, and great economy for most people.
0: And in order, that was Maria Macias, Greg Mangarman, Lexa Green, and Stephen Lee. These are voter, voters who cast a ballot in yesterday's primary. Terry from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm doing good. Go ahead, Terry.
5: Yeah, um, probably about a month ago, I switched from Democrat to Independent only because um, I think that Biden, even though I think he's intelligent enough to do the job, not healthy enough. They didn't make a lot of it on the news about when he came to town the other day. It appears though they put him off at the back of the plane with, with the shorter steps. Just don't think he's going to be healthy enough. Hopefully, in my mind, the courts do something with Trump to knock him out and we can get two new two candidates. Because Biden really said uh, that he was running because he believes he's the only one that can be trump that's a matter of opinion but like some of the, the things that you've been saying um, i don't believe anybody in my household actually um, voted yesterday because it's like a given it looks like we've just been given trump and biden because of this some type of political rematch and so but i'm hoping that the independence will make a difference um and be like yeah, that the independence will be a different because I think the independence is going to uh, be the ones that's going to tell, turn the table later on in the year for the, prime, uh, for the primary. Right. You know, for, for
0: yeah, Terry, it's good. Uh, thank you for that comment. We're going to be talking more about nonpartisans and what the candidates are going to have to do to sway them to their side. Thank you so much for that call. Also joining us now is Aziz from Las Vegas. Welcome to the program.
6: Uh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is at the bar, and I am an uh, imam here, or a clergy in Las Vegas. Yeah. And uh, what I would like to share with you is the fact uh, that uh, a uh, a national a national movement uh, had started and had the first convention in uh, uh, Michigan, and that uh, movement is called the uh, abandoned Biden movement. Uh, we cannot in good conscience endorse someone who has been complicit in the death of 30,000 of our brothers and sisters in Gaza. To even consider such a person for leadership is to betray the very principles that define us as humans. There must be a real la- line, a boundary beyond which we simply cannot tread. And Joe Biden has crossed that line. It is basically immoral to even entertain the idea of supporting someone who has caused such immense suffering and loss.
0: Uh, Aziz, let me ask you this question. Does that, does that mean you won't vote or that you will vote for Donald Trump? Do you think Donald Trump would be different?
6: Uh, no, we don't think that Donald Trump will be different. Uh, however, uh, we must hold Joe Biden accountable not only we're not going to vote for him, but we're going to campaign against him. And the uh, the Muslim voice is powerful, and we're going to use it to punish him for what he did.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that call, Aziz. I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as this election season moves on. And again, we do want to hear from you, whether you voted or not in yesterday's primary. It, it looks like the election, the general election... <laughs> I think most people can say it's going to be between President Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And here as well to talk about yesterday's election is Fred Locken. He is a political science professor at Truckee Meadows Community College in Reno. Professor, welcome back. Thank you for having me. So what did you make of these results? Are you surprised Nikki Haley didn't beat none of these candidates?
3: Well, that's probably the surprise the the, the low voter turnout and the lack of enthusiasm we could have telescoped as soon as all of the Republican challengers disappeared because Biden is an incumbent. That's typical to have that sort of lackluster primary caucus season. But the voter turnout is the other issue besides the issue about Nikki Haley. If we look at it, Nevada is fitting the pattern. It was 5% turnout in Iowa, 18% for the primary in New Hampshire, but then down to 4% in South Carolina, and now probably 8% to 10% here. It's just uh, a reality that we don't have competitions on either side, and uh, this seems to be a fiat complet, and um, and I think that uh, Nikki may not be long for this world after yesterday's performance
0: you know nevada has the option for none of these candidates why do we have that has uh, none of these candidates ever won before well it has an
3: interesting checkered history in nevada we are the only state that offers this option and we only offer it for certain offices it's designed to be a protest because it doesn't other than just sort of not counting uh it can't win. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, it just diminishes vote. But it's been a, a Western tradition in Nevada to be able to send your your telescope for your disdain or dissatisfaction. Uh, in this case, uh, we're reading it all as as maybe a Trump strategy to embarrass Haley. But there are a number of Republicans, I think, just protesting and using it as well because of the caucus, the separate caucus. It's easier from the vote at their dining room table, and yet they're now forced to come out tomorrow uh, to physically uh, cast a that only has one real relevant square on it. And so a lot of Republicans were very disappointed with that as well.
0: Do you think the results basically end Nikki Haley's chances anywhere, even her home state, South Carolina?
3: Well, as has been pointed out, there's no path. Uh, And she says her goal isn't getting delegates. Well, the delegates lead to the nomination. So it's kind of a protest. She's got the Coke money behind her, but people wonder for how much longer. The campaign itself, I think, demonstrates it's not well organized because they sure got blindsided by the none of the above. Uh, That should have been something they could have been aware of on the street if they had spent some time in the state. So, uh, yeah, it uh, certainly by March 6th and Super Tuesday, uh, uh, Trump on that day should win so many delegates. He won't have the nomination locked, but it'll be kind of the inevitable. So, yeah, I think we're seeing the last weeks of that campaign anyway.
0: You know, As you know, and a lot of people in news business, people who read the news, listen to the news, know the country's facing a lot of issues, from the economy to immigration. And Nikki Haley has said Republicans need to be honest about abortion. She says states are the ones who should decide. Yet Donald Trump nominated Supreme Court justices who struck down Roe v. Wade. How much do you think issues impacted yesterday's outcome, or, or do... People, when they vote in the primaries, vote more on emotion and ignore the issues. Well, we have to remember that this is not even
3: part of our typical election process. It's a party process. And it was devised in the state of Wisconsin uh, well over a century ago to get the light of day and accountability into the selection process. But we have very low participation. Even in the most contentious years, it's only a real fraction of the voters that participate. Most voters don't pay attention to it. And they show up and make their decision to vote about 10 days before the November election and wonder where these candidates came from. They don't understand the process. And because it's such a small number, it's distorted. For the Republican Party, it's always far more conservative. For the Democratic Party, it's often far more liberal. The same thing will happen in June when we have the regular part of uh, a primary for all other offices. Again, it's a small number that participate. Again, it's distorted. But having said that, uh, it is at least a process by which you can get your voice into the into the mix. And uh, I have more optimism, I think, than Paul does in terms of the uh, process of mail-in balloting and its impact. This is not a normal election. 2028 will be a far more uh, normal election, and I think that we will see a a greater use
0: of mail-in balloting and more participating uh, going forward. Uh, Fred, hold on. I want to get to some of our calls. Stephanie from Las Vegas, welcome to the program.
7: Good morning. Hi. Um, My comment or sort of question is um, for voters in general who I wonder how many voters actually understand the process and understand um, uh, uh, voting, how, how their choices affect the outcome of the election, because I hear a lot of people like your last caller who are, say, upset about Gaza and they want to protest against Joe Biden and campaign for somebody else or vote against him, or they'll absolutely not vote at all. And what I don't understand is if I understand elections correctly, if you don't vote Biden or you vote third party, all that does is help put Trump in office, whose policies are even, more, even worse for Gaza for, from the perspective of those folks. Okay. So I, I wonder if there's a lot of confusion about how elections work and how, how our actions affect the outcome.
0: That is a good comment. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Uh, Fred Locken, you you study politics here. And you've been in the state for a couple decades now. Do you, th- do you think people get it, you know, by not voting? They they might be through actually throwing support for somebody they might not really like. We see so much of it.
3: And I, I share the frustration of your caller. Uh, had made the comment actually off air, that, that that's exactly what happens. Unfortunately, is uh, you have to consider the alternative in what has been historically a two-sided argument in our elections. And so you're kind of, you know, chopping off your nose to spite your face in the process. Uh, but it has been part because they don't understand. They're very much impassioned by the moment and by the single issue. Uh, and into your earlier reference to abortion topics... There are a number of issues that would clearly play out in the fall election. Oddly, they were not present in this primary or or will be in this caucus. This is more about the the personality of Donald Trump on the Republican side and supporting that and uh, and and certainly the effort to uh, return Joe Biden for the Democrats although both sides are getting a little tired of the same candidates. But she's very much right, and I think that uh, it is a problem because single issue is the most common motive for a voter showing up to vote. They have that one concern, and they want to know where the candidates stand on that one issue.
0: And Fred, based solely on the results we've seen so far, it is looking more like a repeat of the 2020 general election. And that year, we saw record turnout for Biden and Trump. Do you think we'll see that again? I I'm not sure. You know, we
3: also have, for the first time in a number of, of election cycles, the risk of the impact of Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Uh, how successful. He's on a number of ballots. He's uh, polling in, in measurably, at least in national polls at this mm-hmm. point in time. Uh, that protest vote or whatever is akin to your call uh, that you just had is that it will siphon votes away I guess, primarily from Biden. And then what happens there is uh, the likelihood of giving Donald Trump another four years. So uh, but but abortion is clearly going to be a a big issue. Uh, Climate. When I talk to my students, climate change is a real issue for that younger voter. Can you get them motivated? But getting everybody out is going to be really more so on the single issues in Nevada. I think our big motivator is the recent addition of a new ballot initiative to put the abortion protection rights in the Constitution. Uh, we are the leading state for support of a woman's right to choose with over 80 percent of Nevadans identifying. This is an issue that's important to both Democrats and Republicans in the state. And uh, it, and we have the risk of another court decision sometime between now and June that could uh, put another nail in the coffin of, of those rights. And so I think that there's going to be a lot that's going to happen with the economy with topics like abortion and if those factors gel together we could have a very good enthusiastic november turnout otherwise it's going to be lackluster and it's who can get enough to the in there to get them across the post
0: before we get to a break do you think depending on the results of the general election in the fall and yeah we're we're already looking ahead to that past even the uh, the nominations uh, uh, Should we expect chaos that we saw in 2020, the denial of results, the violent protests? I mean, do you think, are people past that?
3: No, they're not. In fact, uh, the former president has indicated that he will win this fall, and if he doesn't again, it's an indictment of uh, of a fixed and rigged election wow. in a uh, you know in a deep state control uh, trying to block him from his manifest destiny. And uh, yes, I mean he has suggested several times we're supposed to get a terrorist attack. We're going to
0: definitely see violence in the streets if he doesn't win. And joining us now is Rosalie from Las Vegas. Welcome.
4: Hi. Yeah, I think there's a comment when I ran for uh, Congress in 2020, I was really shocked and amazed at some of the things that I was hearing. And most people were saying to me, well, we just don't have credibility. So we don't see a track record before we get to vote for the person. And then we have to vote for that person, hoping that they'll fulfill their campaign promises. So, you know, I've been on this path of how do we solve this problem? Because I know. I believe with like Einstein, the more that we focus on something, the more we get of that. So that's why I focus on solutions and not the problem.
0: Yeah, so. you you know, we sort of have a tra- track record with both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Can you give me an idea of who you support?
4: Well, I support the person who's going to do what they say they're going to do. That's aligned with what I believe. And so so far, right now, economically, I know my my income's been cut by ninety percent in the wow. last. Uh, Yeah. And my husband's and maybe several other people I know, uh, you know, so I I believe that we uh, had a better economy. Now, whether that was just something that happened, you know, happenstance, I don't I don't believe so. I believe uh, Donald Trump did support and say what he was going to do and did what he said he was going to do mostly. Um, However, my concern is that, you know, all the leaders in the parties, are really getting involved in picking which p- p- uh, people are running. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to stop. We need to have people that have a track record of being pro-community with a heart for business and, and a head for business as well, and have that be what w- what puts people in on the ballots, not because the party leaders, and I've been told by both party leaders, uh, and I was sick- sickened by this as well, that, they, uh, that it depends on who, who, what party leaders endorse who is going to run actually does get that nomination. So uh, tomorrow we're getting together at the library, just a community mastermind. I'm, I, like I said, I'm more about solutions. Let's not complain without having a solution. So from 3 to 5 tomorrow at the Clark County Library there on East Flamingo, we're having an open forum just to discuss what is happening and what are the solutions to surround these problems uh, around leadership and cre- credibility, sure. uh, community resiliency, and also AI. How are we going to and should we regulate or how do we regulate AI? Okay. So it's an open discussion about this, and I, I do support uh, candidates that say what they're going to do and that that follow through. So,
0: hey, Rosalie, uh, you, you had made one uh, a lot of interesting points. You lost 90% of your income. Can I ask what, what you do?
4: Well, I, my husband and we have this business that does, uh, patios, uh, uh, extensions. And so it's discretionary income that people use to put on, you know, to put shade in their, on their patios. And we, uh, there isn't any and people just don't have any discretionary income anymore and that has been a really you know i've heard people saying they're fasting you know which is kind of good for their health but just (laughs) to keep their to me (laughs) to maintain their bills so they can pay you know for other things they're they're going without food right now okay
0: rosalie we're gonna move on from that thank you so much for the call i appreciate you calling in and and listening i want to introduce now annette magnus she's the former head of battleborn progress which is a non profit that lobbies on behalf of and supports progressive ideals and again our number is 702-258-3552 Annette welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me Joe. It's Glad great, to be here.
0: Yeah great to have you. You know this is the first election you've been able to watch from the sidelines since you left Battleborn Progress last year. What did you make of the primaries?
2: Um, I thought it was a normal primary for the Democrats. Um, you know obviously I was able to vote in the primary and voted by mail, so thankful to have that option because it enables more people to participate in the process. Um, you know, I think you saw what Fred said. It, it was a normal primary for the Democrats because it, Joe Biden was going to be the candidate. There was no other serious candidates on the ballot. Um, and then I think you see the chaos on the Republican side. And I said this on another program the other day, the the chaos on the Republican side is what's causing voters to question whether or not our election system has integrity. You know, when you have Donald Trump calling into question whether or not people's votes are going to count or be uh, making a difference, why would somebody want to, you know, actively participate in that process? And so now on top of it, you have a state party who has essentially rigged a system uh, to favor Donald Trump and is not democracy. Um, You have it. You have two systems essentially working against each other. And so now I think you see more chaos coming out of the Republican Party, and that is going to cause confusion.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, the the primary election was enacted because, in part, they thought it would eliminate confusion, but also uh, result in more participation in the primary elections. Uh, but if if the, my number crunching is correct, roughly the same number of people turned out to vote in this primary as in 2020, in the 2020 caucus. Uh, why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think, like Fred said, it's not a competitive primary. You pretty much know the results of what's going to happen at this point. Um, that is a, you know, a function of our two-party system, and that is the system we have in place in this country, whether people like it or not. And so that is how our nominees are chosen. It is a party uh, partisan process and the parties choose their nominee to put forward for the president. And so, uh, listen, on the Democratic side, I know that people were very pleased to move from a caucus to a primary. I do think when we have more competitive races in the future, you will see turnout improve. Um, But again, it was a shoe in. People knew it was going to be Joe Biden. And so the the hardcore Democrats who always participate, the inveterate voters, those are going to be the people who turn out during a primary. And, you know, I think in the future you will see this process uh, be helpful for people who, you know, have a job on the strip, work 24 hours, you know, work different shifts. They're going to be able to more easily participate in that process. And that was the point of changing the process.
0: And joining us now is Jim from Henderson. Welcome to this program. Yes. uh, Good morning.
8: Good show so far. Um, I think I may have an answer to your question about yesterday's primary. Okay. And it has to do with what's on TV. Uh, If you get regular broadcast TV, which a lot of people do because they don't have cable, especially outside of the Vegas area, all you see are four networks that are devoted all day long to just broadcasting MAGA messages. Uh, this is where the Steve Bannon has a show that's on. He's on for approximately five hours a day. You have the little mini Bannons on for a, the rest of the day. You have One America News, then you have Newsmax, and their news is really pretty exciting. For example, they begin the show, I watch it the first thing 7 o'clock when I get up in the morning because it summarizes all of MSNBC for about five minutes, and then they just make fun of it and just say things that are totally incorrect. So if you watch these stations, and I'm curious to hear what the professionals have to say about this, to what degree do they believe that there's continuing messages by MAGA on broadcast TV, which has no counterbalance in Nevada, in in Las Vegas, despite the fact that one of their major Republican spokesmen for Trump lives here, Uh, you have the major financiers for Trump and Santis. the Santis live here. Uh, and, And yet, we don't see these guys on any kind of mainstream media, but we see them continuously selling the Trump message on these four stations that begin around uh, 25.3 and 2 up on the uh, – the, the, those are the, the, the broadcast channels for oh, okay. them.
0: Uh, interesting uh, question. Fred Locken, uh, how would you respond to that? Well, he's got a
3: very valid point. Uh, we have been dealing with the distortion in news reporting for a very long period of time. When I deal with students now, uh, I'm dealing with students that don't know what truth is. Yeah. What they think truth is, is if they hear it on whatever social media they follow, if they see it on the side of the screen, uh, or they have an influencer in their life, that person likely tied to a Fox News. or it, And so, Education now, we have to spend a great deal of time understanding the bias that's out there, being able to recognize it. Uh, We use allsides.com so that you can see the, the continuum of major news sources and realize where they fall, left, center, and right, because most of them are on the edges now. They're not in the middle anymore. Uh, But it does it does create a very filtered and distorted view of what reality is. And people think this is the truth. They hear it from their candidates and they believe it if their candidates are saying it, it's true, which it may not be. Uh, It's a real problem with our republic.
0: Okay, Uh, Jim, thank you so much for that call. And joining us now is Anthony, who says he's on the road. Anthony, welcome to the program.
5: Hello, I appreciate it. Uh, show's been great. Actually, I don't have a whole lot to say uh, I am at work. But one thing I never hear, um, which I think is kind of ignored. Um, am I wrong when I say that uh, there's a lot or a majority of backers for Trump that are racist? And why isn't that a big deal? Why, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, we saw the insurrection. you know, we see the flags that are, are are drawn. we see we see all that, and yet he's still able to run. and I just don't get that part of it, but yeah. I appreciate
0: the yeah uh, Anthony, uh, your point is taken. I'm going to go to Fred Locken again about that. Uh, Fred, is there evidence uh, uh, of what Anthony just said? Well, first, we live in a free society
3: with protection of political speech being at the very zenith of our, our beliefs and commitment. Uh, people have a right to be wrong and they have a right to be kind of in your face. And because we didn't promise a nice republic, we, we promised a invigorated discussion of all the topics. But there have been those that have accused uh, Donald Trump of being racist. We see policy decisions. If, if elected, he wants to round up. Uh, every uh, undocumented, he, he uh, targeted Muslim countries when he was in the as president, uh, even though there was no evidence that we should be targeting Muslim countries in terms of immigration. Uh, we've certainly had uh, references to Charlottesville and any number of controversies. But in a democracy, ideally, the followers uh, become offended by that, realize it's not appropriate and move on. That has not happened in the case of Donald Trump.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you so much for the call. And uh, I'm going to go to another caller, Dina from North Las Vegas. Welcome to the program. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Sure. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I just have a question for the the folks that are calling in and saying that the uh, the nation is going in the wrong direction. When the stock market is up, inflation is coming down, they're adding more jobs monthly than expected, and the economy is doing great. So I'd like to know what exactly
0: would be the right direction. That's a good question. Uh, Paul, you were out there talking to people and you you sort of mentioned this and people would mention the economy. But what what more were they saying about the issues that they saw, why they thought things were going in the wrong direction?
1: You know, I think inflation is one of those those key indicators for folks, Uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, a dollar does not get you nearly as far today as it did four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago. And so I think that is what is in people's heads. I think that is a, also part of the continuing issues with the understanding of the, the, the powers of the presidency, right? Um, the, the, the president does not have unilateral power to change the economy or change monetary policy or even set the price of gas. Uh, You know, he can affect policies that have changed those things and and, and could incrementally change them, but of course does not have the power to wave a magic wand. Um, That said, when you talk to voters about the issues, the economy is just one of those nebulous things. I think for them it's, you know, I'm struggling. I am not seeing my dollar get nearly as far. I see everybody else see also kind of struggling. Everybody I know is is in the same boat. Healthcare is expensive. So what to do about that? You know, you cast a ballot and the same it's the same thing next year. So I think it's really going to be incumbent on whoever the candidate is, either Democrat, Republican, either party, to try to communicate to voters how, you know, how the economy works and why it's going this way and what is needed to fix it, right? That is that is what's key because when you do talk to voters, it's very nebulous that they just don't feel like they're doing well.
0: Joanne writes, I'm a registered independent. I'm also a never-Trumper. I would have voted for Nikki Haley if I could have. I realize I could have changed my registration, but to what effect? I would not go to a caucus because it's not representative of the populace. Voting in Nevada is a mess. I guess I will have to vote for Biden because I definitely do not want Trump. Joanne, thank you for that that note. We also got a message here from Jeff in Las Vegas who says, illegal immigration has been a problem since the Reagan administration and it's just politics. Why aren't Republicans boycotting fruit, vegetables, and meat when immigrants are the ones processing them? Thank you for that comment. And Annette Magnus, I want to go back to you. Beyond the presidential race, there's a big one brewing for U.S. Senate between Jackie Rosen, the incumbent Democrat, and her likely challenger, Republican Sam Brown. Brown had challenged former Republican Attorney General Adam Laxalt in the Senate primary in 2022. He lost, but he has a lot of support now, like uh, from the National Republican Senatorial Committee. How do you think a Biden-Trump election might affect that race?
2: Well, I think anytime you have Donald Trump on a ticket and he's promoting racism, as the gentleman earlier said, and he's promoting homophobia and sexism and all of the things that Donald Trump does stand for. And um, we've had four years of that nonsense, and I don't want to go back to that. I think, you know, you just look at the candidates down the ticket for the Republican Party and the nonsense that the Republican Party has been involved with here in Nevada. And I don't think it bodes well for someone like Sam Brown. I think that he is upholding the same uh, principles that Donald Trump espouses to, and he's going to have to follow the same rhetoric that Donald Trump has to. And so You know, I think Sam is going to have a a tough hill ahead of him. And I think that, you know, Senator Rosen can stand on her record. She has been there for six years. She has done a lot of great things for Nevada. And she's brought a lot of important money and different programs home for Nevadans. And so she has a record to stand on. Um, The only record that Sam Brown has to stand on is one that is losing to people like Adam Laxalt, which is sad. So for me, I just don't see that he will be taken seriously by Nevada voters. And I think we need to educate Nevada voters about exactly what he stands for and continue to remind people that, you know, in this election, it is democracy that's at stake. Um, uh, four more years of Donald Trump in the White House is dangerous. And it's dangerous for so many reasons and so many people and every single person who Stands behind Donald Trump, including our own governor, Joe Lombardo, uh, they espouse to those exact same beliefs as Donald Trump and should be held accountable for that.
0: Fred locken you know, right now in this state, six hundred thousand nonpartisans are the largest voting block. Democrats are second, Republicans third. There's gonna be a question on the ballot this fall that would open primaries and create ranked choice voting. Those questions already passed once in 2022. It's got to pass again this year before it becomes law. How how do you think open primaries and ranked choice voting will affect Nevada's elections? Well, I was born and raised in
3: Wisconsin, the home of the open primary. So I'm a deep believer in allowing people to make that decision so they're able to participate in deciding who the candidates will be. Nevada, I think, is ripe to become a partial open primary state because over half of all other states already have moved in that direction. However, I think uh, Judge Russell made a huge mistake in his ruling because there are two decisions in voting for that. One is whether or not you like uh, a partial open primary. The other is whether or not you like ranked choice voting. I can like one and dislike the other. Mm -hmm. I do not think ranked choice voting is for Nevada. We have a complicated ballot already. They would have, uh, and we don't have a decided format for ranked choice voting, which I think also makes this an unconstitutional initiative, because if it's approved by voters, we don't know what ranked choice voting will look like. Just that we, we've labeled it, but we don't describe the methodology they're going to use, and so I'm 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 hoping it'll be defeated. But remember, 27 million dollars came in from outside the state, from the state of Illinois alone, to fund the first victory. They're saying they'll spend at least 32 to 35 million to get it through this time. I don't like this carpetbagger mentality of initiatives initiatives coming to the state when no one in Nevada was really asking for it. But it uh-huh. will have an impact. And for the 600,000, they're the voting block of power in the Nevada. They are mostly refugee, moderate Republicans. So they have a favorability to any moderate view. And I think candidates that moderate their view will do very well with that voting block.
0: And Paul Bulger, about those 600,000 Nevadans who are nonpartisans, you know, unlike the primary, the two parties have to work to appeal to those voters. First, do you think the the number 600,000 is real or a, a mirage since people who register their vehicles are automatically registered to vote unless they opt out? I mean, is that a real number? I actually
1: think it. I actually think it is pretty close to real. You know, sure. I do think that the DMV uh, motor voter law that registers every voter, uh, regardless at the DMV. Um, know that does skew the numbers a little bit you know we do see that skew the numbers especially towards independent american party uh numbers that said though i do think that nevada in general is not a purple bastion it is or or excuse me not a, a a blue bastion or a red bastion it is a very purple state and moderates are welcome here um you saw that actually in the 2022 uh general election lombardo the governor um the lieutenant governor, they were very clear uh, in, in their campaigning that they were trying to be moderate. Republicans still, conservative, still, but trying to win those moderate voices. Governor Lombardo in his campaign tried very hard to, you know, keep President, former President Donald Trump at bay, you know, embracing him just enough to yeah. get those conservative voters, but also keeping him out of the campaign, and he won, right, whereas those more conservative MAGA voters, the ones who talked a lot about about, uh, about election fraud or who straight up were just repeating what the former president said, they lost. So it shows that, at least according to the last election, moderates will do very well here.
0: We got a message here from John who wrote, I drove 100 miles so I could vote for Reagan. And now Republicans It'll be a cold day in hell before I vote for a Republican again. Before we go, and we only have two minutes left, Paul, I first want to ask you, what do you think is the one issue that will define the 2024 election?
1: Here in Nevada, it's going to be abortion.
0: Annette?
2: I agree. Abortion.
0: What about you, Fred Locken? Fully agree. Abortion. Really? You think abortion is going to be the issue in Nevada, over the economy, over inflation? If yes. the
2: Supreme Court goes ahead with what they plan to do in June, absolutely.
3: Fred? Yes, and we have the ballot issue, which will put it front and center to all of the voters coming in to be able to add it to the Constitution. That it will be a
0: big motivator for voter turnout. But Paul Bolger, when you spoke to people, were they talking about abortion yesterday?
1: Not yet. No, they didn't mention abortion. And I will say this. They did talk about rights, though. They talked about women's rights. They talked about civil rights. They talked about gender rights. So I think it is foremost on people's brains. That being said, you know, Republican voters, you know, talking, you know, I was at a debate last week where uh, Republican candidates were saying that, you know, abortion very much isn't on the ballot. But, you know, here in Nevada, it will be. It's going to be one of the amendments you can vote for. It will be uh, very front and center in all of the Democratic advertising. So you can very much expect at least the Democrats to be talking about abortion for the next 10 months.
0: And we're going to have to leave it there. A big thanks to people, listeners, who wrote and called in. And a big thank to thank you to my guest, Paul Boger, who is our political reporter in Northern Nevada, former Battleborne Progress Executive Director Annette Magnus, and Fred Locken, a political science professor at Truckee Meadows Community College in Northern Nevada.